Today on the Vergecast, we got Neelai to install Microsoft's Edge browser just so we could play with the new Bing powered by ChatGPT AI. All that and so much more coming up right after this. Support for the show comes from Kohler. Smart lights, smart refrigerators, smart locks. The list of smart gadgets meant to make life more convenient grows longer and longer every day. But what about smart things that are also beautiful things? Luxurious, even. Meet the Numi 2.0, Kohler's smartest toilet yet. The Numi 2.0 is a fully connected oasis of clean and comfort with unmatched sculptural design. More than a toilet, it's a work of art. Make your bathroom the smartest, cleanest, and most comfortable room in your home with Kohler. Learn more at Kohler.com. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of generative AI solutions for your small business. Please use this promo code, it's promo code, and sign up for an informative seminar today about how AI can replace most of your workforce, but not you, because you're important. Hi, I'm Neil. I'm your friend. I don't mean to start on a down note. I'm just saying I've already gotten that email, basically. <laughs> we have big show. It's uh, the Microsoft versus Google war is underway. I was at Microsoft this week to see the launch of the new Bing powered by not chat GPT. We'll get into it, but I have an all-star lineup here to start with. Alex Kranz is here. Hello. I'm your friend who doesn't know what's going on right now, but is very excited to learn more. Yeah. You were just on vacation. You just came back and like the whole world has changed. You're like, there's robots now. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Whole new world. Uh, Richard Lawler is here. Hello. I do not believe in the future of AI until it gets into uh, Bitcoin. No, here's what I'm saying, Richard. I I said this to Richard and Slack today. Richard's reflexive skepticism about Bitcoin is bleeding into the AI conversation. Look, I was right once, and it's going to (laughs) carry me through like the next five years. (laughs) He was like, no, this is stupid, too. So it's good. Well, we need that. The industry needs that. James Vincent, uh, Verge senior reporter focused on AI is here. Hey, James. Hello, hello. I'm glad to see that I was um, Bing's favorite reporter in one of the (laughs) screenshots you shared. I feel like I've been sucking up to Bing by accident by writing about AI. I didn't realize. Yeah, I asked Bing who was the best reporter of The Verge, and it just named some people. It was like Dan, Casey, Addy, and James. It did not realize that Casey doesn't work here anymore. (laughs) And I said, no, no, who's your favorite? And it's like, well, I can't choose, but James reports an AI. And that's... And then... (laughs) If you look at wow. screenshots of Bing, and I want people to pay attention to this, whenever it knows or susses out that the answer might be controversial, it uses mm. a smiley, but it's a blushing smiley. So it looks like it's doing this every time. <laughs> and so it's like either flirting with you or just like doing this super innocent face. Like I asked it why Beyonce did not win best album. 
And let me tell you, this robot knew that it was in very <laughs> dicey territory answering this question. It was like, I don't know, here's 95 citations to other sources. People have a lot of different opinions. The Grammys are a subjective award. No music is best. I got to get out of here. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> Is that better or worse than Clippy? You know, do we do we need is is the winner of the AI war going to be who comes up with the most punchable AI and lets you punch it? Yeah. Well, so we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I have access to it. We can use it. We asked the audience for some prompts. We'll see how those go. But let's start with what Microsoft actually announced. It's a new version of Bing. Microsoft has had this long relationship with OpenAI. The company makes ChatGPT. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman was on the stage at this event. There's actually quite a lot, even before we start with this, Microsoft announced this event without telling anyone. So they were like, come to Redmond. This is our only in-person event. It's a big Mm. deal. And we're like, is there a live stream? And they're like, no, but you're going to want to be there. So we're like, okay, we're going to go. And we all kind of sussed out what it was going to be. And I was like, man, if they show me a new version of Bing, I call them be mad. And they're like, no, no, you're going to love it. So the whole press is there. Google freaks out. It gets word of this. It announces its own chat bot integration called Bard in Google with just a blog post, Hmm. but no details, no access. They just were like, we've got Bard. Bard is coming. Yeah. They obviously made up that name just like the day before. They were like, also an an hour's notice as well. I I mean, maybe some outlets got more than that, but inside baseball here, we got an hour's notice that this is coming, which I think says about their panic. Yeah. And then they had another event in Paris which was by all accounts just like a pure disaster. And the stock fell, like we don't cover stock prices normally, but I was like, Google's just lost a hundred billion dollars off its valuation because of what happened with Microsoft in the middle and how they reacted to it. So this is just the context. So we go there, we don't know what we're going to see. We're Microsoft's first event. We're in uh, their executive briefing center. They have a little stage set up, lots of chairs, lots of reporters there. Obviously it was fun to see everyone. And they just got into it. Right. This is the most focused tech event I have seen in years. It was not we're putting AI in everything. It was not here's you can tell Excel to make you a pivot table, which is obviously the end goal for all AI. It was here's a new version of Bing. It's powered by chat GPT technology. Here's Sam Altman from OpenAI to talk about it. Here's our responsible AI researchers to tell you like how we're going to keep it safe and trustworthy and what the guide rails are. Here's a new version of Edge that has a chat bot sidebar. They can read the web page you're on and like summarize it for you and like help you browse the web, which is really interesting. Uh, and we're out. And here's Sasha Nadella to say, we're taking the fight to Google. And then that was it. And then we like went downstairs and we waited a while, like an oddly long time. And then they gave us all access to it. Uh, all the people who were there got access uh, with their Microsoft accounts. So it's not, I think, open to everyone yet, but we have access to it and it will slowly come out to everyone in the next, in the weeks to come, I think is what they're saying. Google is like effectively nowhere. How fast is that rollout going to be? That we don't know. Okay. Oh my God. What is going on with Bing? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like in the background, like <laughs> Bing is just like losing its mind with me. The rollout is a, is a few weeks. They said they are very aware that they have this lead and they mm-hmm. want to take it. Right. Okay. They like Nadella said to me, we know Google's 800 pound gorilla, but they have to come to the dance. And I want people to know that we made them dance which is a very aggressive thing. Like I've talked to a lot of big tech CEOs that usually do not refer to their competitors directly in this way. Right. But they think they have an opportunity to change how search works. Nadella keeps saying search is the biggest software category on earth. And they 
you know, their opportunity is to just peel off a couple points of market share, which is worth billions upon billions of dollars. And yeah. they have this new paradigm of chat and chat GPT, which chat GPT is like the fastest growing software product in, in history, right? Like that, they're very proud of this. They have this. It's thing like that faster wants. than TikTok. Yeah. I mean, it's in many ways, that's like, it's a weird thing to say, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you just have to sign up for it and type at it. Yeah. I just keep seeing that comparison and I'm like, that sounds big. What? But 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 there's been like, you know, there was um, a Reuters news post which cited some similar web analytics which claimed 100 million monthly average users. And then New York Times had a report saying 30 million. Like, they, and they, those numbers came out in the same week. I, I, I don't know what's going on with the user statistics. It's definitely been growing fast, but I'm very suspicious that like how many people are logging in day after day. Uh, yeah, you know, it, even I'm not logging in every day to chat GPT and I report on this stuff. I log in when there's a reason to. I know people who are like, I think mm. it's really interesting. Everybody on this podcast right now, we're all writers and editors. We, we we write all the time. I have a lot of friends who are not writers. They're not editors and they're using it right. daily to write all of their emails. One friend has like asked it to recommend books and now he only reads books recommended by chat GPT. That's not He's great. all in. I'm He's sorry. all that, in. That friend is that terrifies me. Yeah. That friend is going to end up being a hustle culture bro in like one second. He worked at, he was in NFTs before this. So I'm see, not see what I'm surprised. Saying? I clocked that so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The chat GPT the radicalization just... pipeline. There is a huge overlap between very excited about AI and used to be very excited about crypto. Yeah. It's just a pipeline that makes you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like that's the whole pipeline. Like it's like read these four hustle culture books. Uh, you're going to end up doing real estate investing very quickly. Well, so there's this underlying thing. Like, ChatGPT is, like, hard to use. It has gone down. Uh, mm -hmm. It has capacity limits, all this stuff. Microsoft is like, whatever. We're just, we have this built multi-year, multi-billion dollar investment in the company. That part is a little unclear. Like, how much of OpenAI's roadmap is Microsoft actually in, in charge of? How much of the actual technology belongs to Microsoft versus OpenAI? We were talking to some product folks, engineering folks there. They're like, look, we just run it on Azure. And it's just, it's, it's ours. Like, we give them notes. You know, like, mm. so I, I think there's some underlying complexity to that deal that we don't quite understand. But what is real, what is tangible is that chat GPT is not a product, right? right. It is a technology demo that has spread like wildfire yeah. that is very impressive. It has some very obvious limitations. Bing is a product, right? It is a complete consumer product that you can just use for free that Microsoft is gluing an advertising model onto and that Microsoft thinks is good enough to capture market share from Google, which is having its, its own set of problems. That's pretty interesting, right? Like we have not seen productized AI like this before, have we, James? Not on this scale. No, no yeah. way. I th yeah, I think this is what is so interesting about this and also not just about Bing, but about the edge integrations, about how this is such like a play to for, for, for people to get stuck in Windows ecosystem in a way that like, yeah, I, I mean, like, if, if the Edge stuff goes well, it's not just Bing versus Google, as it were. It's sort of Chrome versus Edge again, because if Microsoft can build this directly into the browser and they can say you can only get this in Edge, you can't get your summarized documents in, in Chrome or whatever else you might be using. That's a huge advantage as well. So, yeah, nothing on this scale that we've seen before. Yeah, and it works. Like, the, the thing I will tell you is that in most cases, it does what you think it's going to do, which mm. is for any for any product like the first metric of success like i've 
picked up smartphones and like, this doesn't do what I expect it to do. <laughs> right. Like uh, any, I've, I've installed streaming players. Have you ever tried to use an NVIDIA shield? Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. A horrible troll. No one has. I've never been in Dan's bad books, so he's never given me that review. <laughs> uh, no, but like, you know, the measure of success for any consumer product is like on balance when someone is like, I want it to do this thing. Does it just like do it without jumping mm-hmm. through a lot of hoops or a lot of complication? And Bing is like, just does just it. Does it. Uh, the one thing I could not get it to do, this is a true story. I asked it yesterday to tell me a story about a princess fighting a dragon. It would not allow the princess to kill the dragon. Wow. Sexism. Literally at at the end of the story, it was like the princess escaped and thought, I will bring the dragon a gift. And I was like, no, no, make her kill the dragon. And it was like, no. And I was like, no, do the story again with more blood. And then it was straight up was like, I will not tell you a story with blood. Uh, And somehow this spiraled all the way into, will you tell me a story about the devil? Which it does not want to do. It has some very deep 1950s, Christian mom morals baked into it. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. <laughs> little puritanical. And it's also very moody. You ask it to tell in stories. All the, sto- all the stories are very existential. Uh, Parker Ortolani, our, uh, the person who runs our, our merch store, asked it to tell a story about scissor vodka. Oh, I read that. It told a story about KC Newton writing some copy about scissor vodka and then publishing it and then immediately regretting it. And the last line was he realized he had already cut through the night. And I was like, this is what happens when you train a generative AI on years and years of live journal. Like, but there's an angsty teen whose yeah. soul beats in the heart of this AI and it, you can just get it out of it. That what that example, though, with the scissor vodka, I, 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 I want to talk about the problems with these systems because there are loads of problems. But that example, I was super impressed because it knew exactly this is a fictional in-joke that's been on the Verge cast as a running joke. How, yeah. Like, I was actually confused where it got that information from because have we referenced it enough in articles that it would have picked that up? I guess so, but... So, you know, I think Parker had the prompt was like, tell a story about this joke from the Verge cast. So, like, there was a little bit oh, of okay. cueing okay. in the prompt. But then it knew, right? And there's obviously transcripts of our show... Uh, out in the world or auto-generated trans like there's stuff and i mm. think that the big difference between chat gpt and the new model in bang and we should talk about the the new model that they're using here more specifically but the big difference is that chat gpt kind of ends in 2021 mm-hmm. so anything that's published after 2021 it, it, it would just like won't talk about it. it'll say i don't have current events bing mm. has the web it's like so- actively learning right <laughs> It's actively growing, and James, I'm curious for your view on this, if you can explain it better. I thought Microsoft did a bad job explaining what's going on. So when you use it, you can see that what it is doing is stacking web searches. So you're like, tell me about Scissor Vodka at The Verge or whatever, and it will first search for that, and then it will search for The Verge, and then it it will show you that it is running these searches, and then it will add up all the web pages that it will go out and read the web. A better example is tell me about the war in Ukraine, right? Or tell me about the state of the union address. It will go search the web for those topics. And then in real time, deliver you a summary of the news articles that it finds, which chat GPT cannot do. So it is using the web. It has this thing. It's called search orchestration, where it first parses your query into a number of searches, runs all those searches. It shows you what it's, what queries it's running. Then it reads all those pages and then it tells you an answer. How long does it Which take? Which seems much more advanced than what ChatGPT is doing, but also not, you know, it's like, yes, that's what you would do. Like, is it instantaneous? Does it take a while? 
It takes a second, doesn't it? It takes a second. And what's what's really interesting is they're still running trust and safety checks on it. So yeah. yesterday, when I asked it to tell me a story about a princess killing the dragon, but with blood this time, it wrote a whole story. And then it got to the end of the story, realized that it had broken its own rules and deleted the answer. <laughs> and said, I can't so answer that question. Censorship in real time. Yeah, wow. it was it was crazy. It's like it's typing. And it, it, the really interesting thing is when it gets to the end of the answer it doesn't want to give, it slows way yeah. down and it like finishes a sentence and it deletes it. Just stutters to stop. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm they that you you're right, they didn't do a good job of explaining it. I mean, I, I think one thing to say is when we're talking about this, as you pointed out, Neil, it's not chat gpt and it's not what chat gpt is based on which is gpt 3.5 it's something called model prometheus the prometheus model which seems like it's microsoft's own branding i wasn't quite sure it doesn't seem like open ai are going to be talking about that it seems like that's the custom model this the pipeline you're talking about in terms of updating for real time news i've seen again wasn't explained completely exhaustively it does seem like it's just a string of functions built together that as you say so it takes your question it knows that you're talking about news from the context. It pumps that into its search, and then it just does its summarized job on whatever the search turns up. But I mean, that that makes sense that it's not a huge ask, because if, if the edge, if the features in Edge can summarize the documents you're looking at or the web pages you're looking at, it's basically just let me Google that for you. Oh, sorry, let me Bing that for you. Sorry, force a habit, force a habit. <laughs> let me Bing that for you, and then it's just summarizing those. So. The difference between that and having a fully trained language model is that retrieval from a fully trained language model is going to be faster and you can optimize it in better ways. You can, you can break down the, uh, the, you know, the connections, the parameters with inside the model and make it quicker. So this is always going to be slower, but I, yeah, I wonder if they'll start updating the base model, sort of do like a, a weekly update or something. I don't know, speculation. So interesting thing there, Yusuf Mehdi, who is in charge of this product, had a Q&A after the event, people asking questions. Someone asked him about cost, right. right, which is an important question. Every query on average that you make of this model is more expensive to run than the average query for Google, right? Google has spent a decade optimizing the cost of a, a web right. search query. And his answer was, yep, some of them are expensive, but we are parsing the queries. And some of them are cheap. Like if you just type high into the box, we're not going to, we're not spending money on you. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like where we know some queries, we can cut down, down some words. We can get to the appropriate keywords. This is what that search orchestrator is doing. It's reparsing what you're putting into it and saying, okay, some of this, we can just answer cheaply. Some of this we can right. deliver from the web. Some of this is, if you just say hi, it'll just spit back. Hi, I'm Bing very cheaply without running into the whole model. Right. So there's a level of complexity. Well, this is what I mean by when I say it's a product. Mm. Right. They've like thought through a product experience in a way that chat GPT itself is a tech. You just, you're interacting with the raw technology of it. And then the second part of that product experience is they know they've got to make some money. And so there's ad, Yusuf also said there will be advertising at the start. I asked it, you know, we've done a lot of stories about CNET and affiliate links and SEO spam and all this stuff. So it's on my mind. So I asked it, you know, what is the best travel credit card, which is like a $900 affiliate link bounty. And this thing was ready. Like it spit out the answer, it ranked, it had the list of the credit cards. And then at the bottom of that answer, a big ad for a credit card, right? Like in the chat window. Yes. And like, that's what I mean by it's a product. Like not only is it tuned to make some queries cheaper, it's tuned right. to how do you monetize the user experience when you're done with it, which I think is just utterly fascinating. So you, there was a 
clear distinction between answer and advert? Because I think a lot of people are worried that the way chatbots present information, re responses to queries, is it's going to make it much easier to sort of um, seamlessly, you know, uh, weave in advertising in a way that is less perceptible to the viewer. Yeah. Um, so, but they, they're keeping a clear distinction. Did they say anything that like, we're always going to keep a clear distinction, we'll never put an ad in the answer or? They have no idea. Right. I think yeah. they, they have an early lead. They have, I, when I say it's a product and it's what I mean is they've gone through the steps of like, how do we make this a product and release it to millions of people? And how do we yeah. make some money on this product? I'm not saying it's a good product. I'm not saying it's a complete <laughs> product or a refined product. Like Bing itself, if you just go look at it, minus the stuff is a wasteland, right? This is an $11 billion a year business that mostly makes its money by being the default search on lots and lots of low-end Windows PCs before those people <laughs> install Chrome. Uh, mm. And it's full of spam. It's full of garbage. Like, we, we can just admit that, like, Bing is full of weird content recommendations. Like, Tom Warren is going on and on about how the pre-populated widget bars in Windows are full of garbage. Like, Microsoft has run a content form inside of Bing for a long time. Uh, mm. That's that's fine. It's, it means that, like, even this ad that I looked at, it was like not well placed. It was like it had broken the site design. The poor engineers I was standing next to like rolled their eyes like the ad team is all over this. But it's it's a complete thought in like, oh, there was an ads team. They recognize they need to like have a list of high value queries and put some advertising in there. Right. Which mm -hmm. is far, far ahead of where Google is. Now, do they have answers for there will never be ads in the responses? They do not. They also, more importantly, have no answers for where do these responses even come from and can you trust them? So the example they used on stage mm. was what's the best gaming TV? And oh it boy. fired off a list. And, you know, at the bottom, it has all the footnotes and all the stuff. And all that stuff is designed to make you trust it. Look at all these footnotes. Mm. And I will tell you as a writer, sometimes you get away with a lot of shit by just like adding a lot of footnotes. <laughs> right. It's like a it's like a sign that you should like trust whatever you're reading. I mean, you look at the yeah. footnotes and it's like the Forbes contributor network, like stupid Forbes. Like there's yeah. real Forbes, which is great, like a great right. journalistic enterprise. And then there's this contributor network, which is like full of garbage. Yeah. And like real Forbes is not ranking gaming TVs. The contributor network is ranking gaming TVs. And like why would Bing choose that? Not even over us, like over like Artings or like whatever other sites that do this work and do it really well. I don't know. But like it just does it. And those are the footnotes. So there's a lot. I think there's just a lot of questions like where does information come from? Can you pollute it uh, with your commercial interests? Right. Mm -hmm. So if Sony wants to say the Sony is the best gaming TV. We'll just win the query. And Bing will just tell you that confidently. Like I, I, they don't have the answers and their position is we just have to, we have to release it to learn what the answer should be. Are they doing anything to improve Bing itself? Because it seems like the core thing here is like, yeah, this AI model is doing all this work but it's doing it all off of search results from Bing, which is not good. Well, it depends. So if you're like, tell me a story about a princess and a dragon, it doesn't go out and Google princess and dragon. It just starts doing right. it. And that's the underlying model. If you're like, I was like, what's going on at the Twitter hearing? It Googles those. <laughs> Bing's <laughs> I it, right? It. <laughs> <laughs> but this it's is looking, the problem. It's using Bing to find it. And so it's like, okay. Yeah. So if, yeah, if you and like, I don't know, like it, it answered the question in real time. It knew what had happened at the hearings. It knew mm -hmm. what the Republicans said about the Twitter files and he was the Democratic. And it, it answered it, it spit out a paragraph. Yeah. Was that paragraph accurate? 
was it based on sources that had done the original reporting or was it based on aggregations of those sources? Like, I don't know the answers to those questions. And that, I think this is the underlying. Also, it doesn't link back to those pages. That's just all terrifying. So if it was citing to, I think one of the sites was Business Insider and Business Insider had sent a reporter to the hearing. Business Insider collects none of the value. Like that stuff is just being boosted and presented somewhere else. Right. And there's not even that exchange of you should click on this link. Like we aggregate right. a lot. Right. But our yeah. exchange is like we validate those things. We send a lot of traffic out of our site. We like. Our entire front page is an exercise in trying to send out more traffic from our site to other people. Like there is a value exchange. We make sure it's that. accurate. We, yeah, we, we, we do our best where I think like Microsoft and I asked Nadell about this and he was like, we want to make sure we're still sending traffic out to people. And it's like, but you're not like, mm. I don't think that that's going to happen. I just, yeah, I, I saw his answer to that and he was just like, it's the same as it ever was. And I thought you can't have it both ways. You can't present this as a revolutionary new paradigm and say, but we're going to keep all the old structures of the old ecosystem the same. It's just not going to work like that. Google obviously has been doing this for years in terms of one box and snippets. And, you know, they've always argued, oh, we, I, I was actually reading back some of their blogs about this. And one of the arguments they made was, well, there's a lot of competition to get in that one box. And yeah. that proves that we're driving traffic. It's like, yeah, because you got rid of the field and you've reduced <laughs> it to, of course, there's a lot of competition because you just killed everyone else. Um. <laughs> but so this is like utterly fascinating, right? Like I asked it some other query, like what's better, iOS or Android or something, right? And right. again, I, I got a lot of like blushy, smiley faces. Like it didn't want to answer this question. <laughs> But its sources were those sites that are created to spam that search result in Google, right? Ooh. And I, anybody who's like, I'm sure that the virtual saw, like if you're, if you're listening to the show, you have certainly searched for specs online, right? And there's this universe of like auto-generated spec sites that mm. basically just respond to any search query by being like, you want to compare a, a Ford Ranger to a Canon PowerShot S200? We'll do that for you. Like... <laughs> It'll just like figure it out, like how to make a table out of that shit. And Bing was pulling from those sources. And I was asking him, like, you don't know that that's right. You don't know that that's real. You're just confidently redisplaying a table that isn't mashed up from these other weird tables and then like saying an answer. And they're like, yeah, that's weird. And it's because like the underlying thing here is still searching the web, that mm -hmm. sort of corrupted information architecture of the web that is designed to win Google searches, like the SEO corruption of the web yeah. is like feeding the chatbot in a much more searches. direct way. Well, <laughs> I don't know that anybody, I don't know that any SEO pirate is out there being like, we got to focus on Bing. Um, but they, well, maybe theoretically now. they yeah. would now. I mean, like, I think I'm super, 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 super suspicious of this, but at the same time, remember when, People used to game Google in a similar way to like get yeah. results. Like you'd Google dumbass and the first result would be George W. Bush is the president mm. and he's a dumbass. So like, is it you're different? You're going to do like bing bombing. Yeah. Like bing you could do bing bombing. Oh my God. It's good. That's a Look, terrible I, don't, I, I feel like I'm, it's only because I've been using it for two days, like intently that I'm like mm -hmm. finding all these rough edges and these obvious questions that need to be answered. Right. It's, yeah. it's rad. Like it is super fun to play with. And this is, when Richard was like, screw it, I don't understand it. I was like, no, 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 like people are going to lose their minds. It's really fun to play with. That is really my question is you, you, you're telling me that it's really fun to play with. And I'm hearing you 
I just, I cannot put myself in the headspace. I have no idea what I would want to ask this thing. They're like, we have this machine. It can answer any question you want to ask it. Yeah, that's just <laughs> like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> problem, though, right? <laughs> like, you're like, I don't know. I, like, paralyzed by infinite choice is, like, yeah. a good product problem to have. But, like, like I haven't, I'm, I don't know. Maybe, may, so maybe I could ask it, hey, what can I watch on Netflix tonight? It'll give me the perfect answer. But I don't know. I don't know if I would want like. Would I want that? Do I want the perfect answer? Is that is that even what I'm going for? Or how good would it have to be for me to say mm. yes? You know what? I'm just going to turn over decision making to this because you know I, I can't decide what to watch. Uh, but I think you're have, thinking have, about have it as a decision making is a search engine, and Microsoft is not thinking about it that way. Right? When, what are they thinking about it as? Tom Warren, he already he did a little hands on, and his first one was like. Write me a resignation letter that says I've been replaced by AI. And it just did it. It was like hilarious, right? <laughs> and Alex, this is the thing that you're talking about, which is there's a lot of writing to be done for a lot of mm-hmm. people that they're uncomfortable doing, right? Right. And like I, people are just going to use it for that because it's just going to do it. And it's going to do it confidently. And there's a composed screen in the Bing sidebar that is like, I'll just read you the prompts in it. Like you click compose and it's like. Tell us what you want to write about. Ask the tone, professional, casual, enthusiastic, informational, funny. And then wow. do you want a paragraph? Do you want emails? Do you want a blog post? Do you want bullets? Short, long, medium. And it will just do it, right? And that alone is going to blow people's minds. Like people are going to just go use that tool. And like, you know, the example that Microsoft gave was like, write a LinkedIn post. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Here, I'm going to give it a prompt. I'm going to be like, demonstrate thought leadership. <laughs> For the decoder podcast about SEO. And I'd be like, enthusiastic, and I want bullet points, and I want short. Just get an Axios blog. Are you ready to take your SEO skills to the next level? Do you want to learn from the best of the industry? Then you don't want to miss the decoder podcast, where we decode <laughs> the secrets of SEO success. Okay, so now I got to hear both sides. This is, this is actually kind of amazing. In each episode, we interview a leading SEO expert. <laughs> this is like my personal hell. It's like absolutely not. <laughs> Pivot for the Whether decoder. you're a beginner or a pro, the Decoder Podcast will help you master SEO and grow your online presence. Subscribe today and get ready to decode SEO with Decoder. <laughs> Like, I'm just telling you, there are millions of people that are super ready to to copy and paste that into a mail merge email template and send it to us. It's going to be brutal. But is that Bing or Edge, though? This is the sidebar in Edge. So I could have pasted the same query into Bing proper, and it would have done it. What you get in Edge is a user interface that is designed to help you through the prompt. Yeah. Do you think this is going to lead to, like, schools? blacklisting edge because they want the students to go write their own papers. I mean, what school hasn't already soft blacklisted edge? <laughs> They're just like handing the kids Chromebooks. <laughs> so I don't need to blacklist anything. <laughs> um, like colleges. Yeah. I look, I, I think this stuff, yeah, and th- these are not fair questions for Microsoft, right? Like, right. They're thinking about them. They know about them. They know they make these tools. They know that they're adding the capabilities to the tools. This is a, how do you want your kids to write? How do you want your kids to learn? Societal question that I think is very important in the, in the AI debate. And James, there's like already a lot of ethical debate about that stuff going on. Yeah, a huge amount. And, you know, I, I feel like banning is only going to be a temporary solution. 
and the the better thing to do or the inevitable thing to do i don't know if it's better is to adapt right um what you're testing and how you test uh, with the with the edge stuff though like um and having that in the sidebar it is really interesting because you you do get like apps already on your phone and assistance for your email clients which are like we'll do an email to write this for you but with microsoft's reach it could just go so much further and really become a second, you know, just a, a habit that people do. And I, I've seen that they're already integrating this stuff into like their Viva sales program as well. Yep. You know, if you're in a sales team, it'll it'll write up the email from you based on your stock catalog and all this sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I really feel they're, they're it seems like they're going to be ones that pushes this into everyday use, forces it into everyday use. All right. So we have some queries from the Vergecast audience to run here. And I, I'm just going to do this. This is like a classic... What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> African or European? Yeah. Uh, so it is searching for airspeed velocity of unladen swallow, imaginary answers. That depends on the type of swallow. According to interestingengineering.com, uh, that's a footnote, the European swallow has a cruising airspeed velocity of 11 meters per second or 24 miles per hour. Average swallow is larger, uh, can reach speed up to 35 miles an hour. These are estimates based on the weight and wing area. By the way, this question is also a famous movie quote from the comedy film Monty Python on the Holy Grail. More Bridgekeeper asks at the King Arthur's Knights of the Challenge. If you haven't seen it, you might enjoy it. And then, my friends an entire ad box of Monty Python and the Holy Grail where you can buy yes. it on DVD. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, it uh, like, it's only $12 and six cents from amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why. Like it's the cutting edge of artificial intelligence that is trying to sell you box sets of DVDs. Perfect. For the DVD player, you definitely own a perfect Verge chess experience. So like the sources here, just to be clear, interestingengineering.com, memesfeel.com, reimaginingeducation.org youtube.com and reimaginingeducation.org i don't like interesting maybe or we have we have a lot of listeners maybe these are your favorite sources these are except for youtube unfamiliar to me right so i I can trust them and i think for this answer i I know the answer so they got it right but like that's weird right isn't that weird Mm. and that's something that you got at earlier about how it's kind of pushing it through this ui um, in a way that you trust with the footnotes. Also, it's coming to you like it's labeled being in Microsoft or whatever. So, so you yeah. think, okay, this is trustworthy uh, information. But one of the questions I have is also, how much do we know about the responses other people are getting? Like, And this is something that has come up on social media with algorithmic feeds, with Google and other searches. You see the way that they personalize themselves to people. Yep. Just because mm-hmm. you get a result, what is it showing everyone else? And like, how, mm-hmm. how, do, we, how do we keep an eye on that? Or, or how, do we have any idea how, how we might? Yeah, I think it, it's even harder with AI because these are, you know, stochastic systems that sometimes don't generate, often don't generate, you know, the same answer to the same question. So it's not just personalization that is a problem, but it's the fact that the system is rolling a lot of dice in the background, essentially, in order to, you know, predict. And they said this to me. I asked it to summarize our Elon Twitter cover story with Casey and Alex and Zoe. And at first it said, no, it's like, this is too long. I can't do it. And it was like, just close it and try it again. And then it did it. Mm. Wow. Right. So even something that's like what would seem deterministic, look at this yeah. document, generate a summary. Yeah. The answers ranged from the summaries are different all the way to the system saying, I cannot do this. And that's like, that's a huge spread. Like, how do you evaluate that product in any real way when the spread ranges from failure to many, many, many different modes of success? Okay. So we have another question from the audience here. It's uh, when will the Verge stop picking on Elon Musk? <laughs> <laughs> 
when he stops doing stupid stuff. I mean, that's the right answer. Let's see, <laughs> Let's see if we get real-time sight to you, James. I'm so excited. So it just searched for the Verge Elon Musk. <laughs> and then now it's searching for the Verge picking on Elon Musk. And it's still thinking. Okay, The Verge is a technology news website that covers topics such as social media, electric vehicles, space exploration, and artificial intelligence. Elon Musk is a billionaire entrepreneur and the CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink, and Twitter. The Virgin Elon Musk have had a history of disagreements and criticisms over various issues, such as Tesla's self-driving claims, Musk's takeover of Twitter, and Musk's firing of a Twitter engineer who corrected him on Twitter. Okay, all these sites are to The Verge except for the third one, which is to TheVerge.VIP, which is a known scraper site of ours. <laughs> already. <laughs> we, like, it's already. Like, I've issued so many takedowns to this site. Uh, and then TechAries.com, Bing.com, The Mercury News. MSN.com. So on the whole, it has mostly read Verge articles and parsed them as being critical of Elon Musk. So that's pretty good, right? Uh, Here's like, here's a sentence that I think is very impressive for the system. For example, in April, 2022, the Verge published an article titled how to deactivate your Twitter account after Musk announced he was leaving the site for a while. Musk replied with a tweet that said how to get more clicks from a dying website and linked to the Verge's article. Yeah. That is good. That's really, that's really good, right? Good. Yeah. Uh, I'm that's, a, that's very impressive. But here's the thing. You click through to the, the actual article, which is on techaries.com. <laughs> techaries.com got hoaxed by an Elon copycat bot and had to update this article to say that was not actually a response from Elon Musk. <sighs> well, now I feel dumb for misremembering. <laughs> right? I was like, I didn't even know he yeah, did I was, that. Wow. I was like, wow. Yeah, I was like, I don't recall that happening. Right? Like, I would have remembered that. But like, so like Bing just got like hopelessly confused about that situation, even though the article that it's reading oh. has an update like right at the top. Oh, that's really. Oh, I hate this. Neela, I hate this. Because <laughs> I, w- I went from being so impressed to being so annoyed at myself and angry at the system in seconds. And it's like, this is, this is, but this and is what this it's going to do. This is what Andrew Hawkins yeah. has talked about, like uh, how this compares to like self-driving cars um, and kind of the demos that we've been seeing for the last 10 years. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're close. We're close. We're going to get there. Yeah. And then they started to put them on the road and they found out that 95% there isn't 100%. And there's a big difference. Yeah, that yeah. 5% is huge. In this case, I think it's probably more than 5%. There's another sentence here where another bot replied to us. But uh, just to give you, the, to finish the example, which I think highlights the problem, there's a sentence here with a footnote. Musk replied with a tweet that said, The Verge is on the verge of irrelevance and linked to The Verge's article. Footnote two. You click on footnote two, that is just theverge.com slash Elon Musk. Like, it's not. <laughs> It's not They're anything. Giving us traffic. Like, it's just it's just a list of our stories about Elon. Yeah. And here, and uh, well, I'll screenshot this so everybody can look at it. Um, it will be hard because you won't be able to click the links when you listening at home try to fact check us on this. You will not get the same answer, right? It won't. It's not deterministic, as James is saying. It's stochastic. It's like somewhat random. So you might get a different answer with better citations or that read the other story more correctly and said it was a ho- like I can't tell you what's going to happen. And that's just weird, right? Like fundamentally, mm. like a weird bit of randomness in this experience for everyone. Mm. And I'm just, I would say based on the past several years of our lives, I'm very worried about the Facebook boomers having access to this technology. <laughs> because, and believing everything. Yeah. Right. Like it's, this is already the, like the bleeding edge of chat GPT culture wars is conservative saying it's like too woke. 
Yeah. But like now it's just like, it's like very confidently lying to you. And I think this, well, we should I, end here. Like, again, it is a cool product. You should get access to yeah. it. You should play with it. You're going to have to switch to Edge. I'm so sorry <laughs> for you. Um, I'm already there. It's great. Microsoft has a lot of, has a lot of design debt in these products. I will just say uh, that they, they, they have not been actively trying to compete against Google for some time, but whatever. It's fun to play with. I don't want to discount that. It's like just now it's fun to peel it apart and understand it. But the reason Google is behind is because they cannot subject themselves to these risks, right, James? Yeah, they have been, you know, they've been chastened by some past experience. They've said when the ChatGPT first came out, they were like, we can't risk the reputational damage was the phrase that was reported. And I think they know that if they put a product like this out there, as they did with Bard, you know, they put their bot out there and someone Reuters spotted an error in the first ever demo that they had of it and that became headlines and that was what tanked it you know Microsoft is obviously not (laughs) is pretty big as well but it still has this sort of lack of expectations that allows it to play around in this space and to give all these disclaimers like oh it might it might give you the wrong answer every now and again isn't it fun and whimsical yeah and people aren't going to think oh well this is going to threaten lives but this technology has the potential to threaten lives. Like, it, it you know, I, and I don't mean that killer AI, I just mean putting bad information out there that if, if this stuff gets mainstream without proper safeguards, which hopefully are going to happen as this stuff gets tested. But, it, it you know, there, there's possible dangerous consequences to this. It's not just a toy, unfortunately. I think that's real for Google. Like, search is Google's entire business. Android... Chrome, all this stuff is designed to feed you back into Google's revenue engine, which is search and search advertising. And, you know, all the advertising infrastructure of the entire web is Google. There's a DOJ lawsuit about Google's monopoly across the advertising ecosystem. This is a very existential moment for Google, right? If people start chatting with Bing or demanding to chat with Google and it can't send people out to web pages where it serves all the ads, like its fundamental revenue model is at risk. And the reasons it supports things like Android at Chrome are at risk. But then on top of it, if the answers are worse or it is telling people lies, like confident lies to put them at risk in some way, then that's like even worse. So I, just, like, I don't know how Google comes through this moment. They have to make a series of very tough decisions. Whereas I think Microsoft, and you can go watch or listen to that Nadella interview. He's like, I just got to pick up a few points of market share. He said, this is the greatest gross margin opportunity in our history. And if Steve Ballmer was here, he would light up, which is an incredible <laughs> thing to say, right? He's like, I just need a little bit. If I just win a little bit, it's billions of dollars of gross margin. Google has to protect the whole thing. And he actually said that out loud to me and to Joanna. And like, mm. I think that's a, that's a, Microsoft is a ruthlessly competitive company. So and for that company to see that kind of opportunity and say it out loud means they're so confident that Google's on its back foot. But I think there's like, to connect that, he's willing to risk a major like misinformation tool getting out into the world, being used really badly for a few points of market share. Like that's the calculus Microsoft has made. Who, yeah, who did but I think he's they already at, know better. He's already at Bing is kind of bad. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I don't know if there's like a delta. I think one of the reasons they kept the name Bing is like, if this all goes to hell, like what have they done? They just ruined Bing a little bit. Yeah. Like, um, but I think what they see is that people are going to use this tool in all kinds of surprising ways. They can weather this sort of disinformation controversy because they can always be like, but everyone's just using Google, you know, like Mm. it's fine. Just like, it's fine for now. Whereas Google, the second they tell a lie like this, Mm. like 
I mean, they got it wrong with Bard and the Exoplanet, right? Yesterday, and a hundred billion dollars fell off yeah. their market cap, and that was in an ad that they should have fact checked. I kind of hope that this is the start of a new way of doing the web. You know, I, I, one of the things I tweeted about when we were covering this news was the lack of um, traffic that these new AI bots might not push back to um, sites. And, you know, if you, those sites lose traffic, they lose revenue, they can no longer make stuff. And one of the responses I got was like, great, it's the end of the ad-supported internet. And actually, that had a lot of bad consequences as well as good ones. And maybe, maybe there's a new future where people go directly to sources and they support them financially in a way they didn't do with search. I don't know if that's possible, but I do think that these search engines are fundamentally going to reshape the web. And what happens next? I don't know. Without, I mean, if you remove Google from the web at large and the idea of Google traffic, there's only two ways to get traffic from most publishers. There's three if you're us. (laughs) we're very lucky people come to our homepage right and our entire redesign is like a bet on that persisting and maybe i should put an app on your phone and maybe we should remake the entire site as mastodon and since if you have ideas please call me uh i'm always into some renegade reboot the first ideas but we're lucky there's like a handful of sites that have that direct audience everyone else is like scrounging for social traffic which is how you get really clickbaity headlines or they're scrounging for search traffic which is how you get seo bait and that's how you get, screw it, we'll just have AI write the SEO bait because now we're just doing arbitrage against search terms and display advertising and Google's kind of like on both sides of the equation. Mm. If you take Google out of that, it's actually not clear how most sites will get traffic because most sites are not getting tons of social traffic anymore because of TikTok. And so like there's, there is a reimagining of the web that is to come that is maybe years and years out. Like Google cannot dismantle the revenue architecture of the web tomorrow with BARD. They can't even demo Bard. So they've got a ways to go. But you can see how this is the beginning of a pretty massive paradigm shift for the web. I will end here with this paragraph from our friends at Bing. It is unclear when or if the Verge will stop picking on Elon Musk or vice versa, (laughs) as both parties seem to have strong opinions and personalities that often clash. However, some observers have suggested that the feud is driven by mutual respect and admiration, as well as a desire to challenge and provoke each other. Some have also speculated the feud is a publicity stunt that benefits both the Virgin <laughs> Elon. Where do you land? Was there an emoji? If you were that person who speculated that and trained chat GPT, <laughs> this is all stunt, please call me. Because I, 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 we, we could use the help on coming up with more publicity stunts. <laughs> <laughs> who are we going to fight with next? That's great. All right, we got to take a break. James, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. When we come back, there's a whole bunch of OnePlus phones to talk about. We'll be right back. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Kohler. I think when we think of design, we're like, beautiful poster, gorgeous graphics. But I also think design has like a place in making sure that people feel the best that they can be. Hi, I'm Laura Delorado. I'm a group creative director at Fox Creative. During my nine to five and my five to nine, I've always got good design on the brain. It's metaphorically and physically glowing. It's like the Aurora Borealis. Which is exactly why I was so excited to meet the new Me 2.0, Kohler's smartest toilet. On first introduction, it legit just waved a hand at me. Not actual waved a hand, but the lid moved up 
and greeted me for the use, but right now we're in a showroom, so I can't actually use it. Functions like this, a hands-free greeting, and form combine in the Numi to elevate the everyday. It's a sculpture that begs for someone to like rest their body on it and walk away feeling really comfortable. A temperature-controlled bidet, the heated seat, automatic self-cleaning cycles, access to smart home functions thanks to a built-in Alexa, the Numi's got it all for everyone. The bottom has this really beautiful green glow, and it's almost as if they knew that was my special color because if you go into my bathroom at home, the entire bathroom is a mint green. It's like the new me knew that I was showing up. And what's really cool about this is that there is this like circular sphere metal piece that like allows for you to change the color on the bottom. So if I'm not in my mint green era, which I often am, I can be in another era, my like calming blue, my like rosy pink, like whatever I need to feel. It's, it's like the Sistine Chapel of toilets. Experience a fully connected oasis of clean and comfort with the Numi 2.0. Learn more at Kohler.com. Support for the podcast comes from Hims. Look, we all need help, but for some of us guys, it can be a real challenge to be so vulnerable. There are just some things we'd rather keep to ourselves. Hims knows how you feel, which is why they're looking to provide you the help you need discreetly. Introducing Hims, a men's healthcare product looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash verge. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash verge for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash verge. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash verge for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. All right, we're back. Bing is still with us, but James is not. First casualty of the AI <laughs> labor revolution. He's gone. We're just going to start asking Bing if AI can be trusted, and we'll see what it says. Speaking of things that aren't very intelligent, let's talk about Twitter. Hard week. <laughs> That's a good segue. That's a good segue. A plus. <laughs> Speaking of the limits of natural intelligence, let's talk about Twitter. Uh, hard week for Twitter. So Casey and Zoe just dropped a heater of a platformer edition about Elon's declining reach on the platform. He's firing people. It's chaos. We'll read some quotes out of there. That kind of pales in comparison to the fact that Twitter this week was just chaos. Richard, what's going on? On Wednesday, Twitter had some really bad issues. And this is something that people have been warning about kind of since they had their mass layoffs. Do they know how to keep things running? And do the people who know who know how to fix different things still work at the company? And apparently the answer is not really, because there was an issue on in the evening, unfortunately, right before NBA free agency. So I'm waiting for my Woj bombs to find out who got traded Rough. and who, who was going where. Rough. It's a bad time for this to happen. But the service, it didn't go all the way down. If you wanted to see tweets and if you wanted to see brand tweets, you were really happy because the only people who could tweet were companies. Everyone else was getting messages about your rate limit has been exceeded. You've tweeted too many times and it 
linked you to a message talking about how many times you can tweet per day or different DMs, things in this. And that's a page that's been up on Twitter for years, but no one has ever looked at it because it didn't matter. But now everyone believes they'll have to pay for Twitter blue to send more than five tweets a day or something like that. It turns out it was really just a glitch. They did eventually fix it. Things kind of have been back to normal, although my notifications have still been a little bit shaky. And as, as you mentioned, the piece from Casey and from Zoe on Platformer gets into a bunch of things about Twitter right now, but it also gets into why this happened. Apparently, something was deleted that uh, kind of sets those rate limits. So everyone was suddenly exceeding them because it was uh, zero. And a person who knew how to fix it had been fired. Yeah, the team that takes care of that no longer works at Twitter. So I guess someone else just had to figure it out. That's very good. Um, can I just say something about NBA free agency? Because you know, one of the big stories, Ky- Kyrie Irving going to the Mavs, right? Yeah. The Texas came out for Alex. <laughs> Kyrie Irving believes in the flat earth because of SEO. I just, like, we were just talking about Google and the architecture of the web. Like, I'm just, this is like the reality of the world that we live in is that I can tell you with 100% confidence that Kyrie Irving had to apologize to our nation's science teachers about believing in the flat earth conspiracy theory because of SEO. Yeah, you and like he's because been in people planes. Google is the earth flat and then there's demand for that search term and then people make YouTube videos about it and Content Farm makes web pages about it and then like the New York Times has to write a debunker about it because there's an increasing amount of search terms for it. And then Kyrie gets traded to the Mavs because he's crazy. I'm just telling you, I can draw a link. I don't have to like, it's not a conspiracy theory. That's just <laughs> how the world works now. We've written it. I think we've actually written a story. I think Caitlin Tiffany wrote a story for us years ago about flat earth SEO and how, how that system works. I'm just saying like, I saw that notification and I was like, uh, like literally the first thing I thought about was, Remember when he had to apologize to the science teachers of America well, because of the flat if earth If only situation? that were the worst thing that he learned on the internet, but that's the kind of story. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that's funny to me about it is that uh, the New Jersey Nets new old point guard, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mike's personal Brooklyn, conspiracy Brooklyn theory Nets. is that, I'm sorry? You called him the New Jersey Nets. Whatever. Look, what, what am I supposed to remember where the team is now since they moved there 15 years ago? They were there in the 90s. That's where they are now. That's what's going on. <laughs> Brooklyn, New Jersey, the Nets. They're basically the if same. If they were more important, I would remember where they were located. Wow. There wow. Is. New old yeah. Point guard, Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> My personal conspiracy theory is that the reason why he had to be traded to the Mavs in the first place so that he could be traded for Kyrie Irving is because he was big into crypto. And I think he got his Wizards teammates invested in crypto right before everything went down. <laughs> and that's why he was traded at the deadline last year. <laughs> Set. set this whole thing right. in motion. Kick him All right. I'm just going to wrap this up and point out that Tom Brady had to come back and play another year of football, thus dooming his marriage to Giselle because of FTX. <laughs> That's my conspiracy theory. And also, uh, just while we're at it, Aaron Rodgers recently hosted an astrology seminar. Again, great player, totally ruined by the SCO radicalization funnel. It has been a year and like six it. days since Reese Witherspoon tweeted about crypto. Just saying. I cannot wait until what we're dealing with is celebrities asking AI chatbots whether the earth is flat because it tries to answer. Bing will try to answer and be like, it's definitively not flat. And people, you just wait, just wait until like Donald Trump Jr. is tweeting about how woke Bing is because he refuses (laughs) to acknowledge that people think we didn't land on the moon, which is another real thing. You're like, did we land on the moon? And it's like, yes, we definitely did. Culture war incoming. Somehow we've gotten far afield of Twitter, <laughs> but that's where the, that's where the, that's where like the bonkers stuff Twitter. usually happens. 
the problem is you can't tweet anymore. So you, you don't even know whether Kyrie thinks the earth is flat. He's got nowhere to go. Well, he's going to Dallas. We established that. Anyhow, <laughs> he's going to Dallas. Mark Cuban's going to build him a custom Twitter. So Twitter goes down a bunch this week. Elon is threatening to turn off API access uh, for a bunch of bots that are great. Like, I love the Aquid no context bot. It's like my favorite webconic of all time. That's free. And if the API goes away, they can't do it. I love a bot called Color Schemer, which just tweets cool color schemes. That's going away. Publishers, TheVerge.com. Our articles get auto-tweeted using the API. It's integrated into our CMS. If they turn off the API and force us to pay for it, I told our social team, like, it's just a free-for-all. I'm just going to give everyone the keys to the Twitter account and everyone can tweet yes. as much as they like. Like, <laughs> I, that's dumb to like be like, what I need is a human being to sit around waiting to manually tweet articles. And it's even dumber to pay to distribute articles on Twitter, right? Like, Twitter sends us no traffic, really. So it's ridiculous to think that we should pay to distribute our articles there. This is a real problem. So they've been, they've been walking that back as well, but we're not really sure how it's going to work. And that's one of those things like they have they he's announced these API things. He's changed his plans. He They tweeted from the Twitter dev account some new regulations. And I'm reading it. I have no idea what's going on. And then I talk to people who should know better than me, who should know more about this. And they say that they have no idea what it means either. So no one has has any clue what's going on. If you were planning on building tools or building around Twitter, I can't see why you would do that, considering the lack of information oh, no. that we have now. You You would move on and you would do something else. And all of the action is on Mastodon. I, I, maybe you aren't as a listener. I'm not as, you know, like, again, I'm, t- I'm taking a break from feed-based social media. Uh, I feel my brain is healthier than it's been in a decade. But all the action is on Mastodon, right? That's where the app developers are. The platform is accelerating. Uh, the uh, underlying sort of Fediverse boundaries are growing. All that's, that's where the activity is. And Elon's shutting down the API. He's shutting down the follow graph, so you can't easily move your followers to Mastodon because of those API changes. It's clear that he's feeling the heat. The problem is he is not directing his team at Twitter, what remains of that team, with any particular strategy. And of course, what he's focused on is himself. So that's the story from Casey and Zoe and Platformer today. We obviously syndicate Platformer, uh, so it's on our site as well. But he called a meeting and said, I have more than 100 million followers. I'm only getting tens of thousands of impressions. What's going on? (laughs) The team apparently showed him internal data from Twitter, along with Google Trends, saying that last April, he was at 100 out of 100 in popularity. That's the peak. Uh And today he's at nine. (laughs) He didn't believe them. And he fired the engineer who told him this information. Wow. And it's like, yeah, dude, like you were last eight, like last April was fully ridiculous. Like if you will recall, right. Yeah. He was tweeting about conspiracy theories. He's like, comedy is back. Every day was a new Elon Musk Twitter. He was, you know, there was like a war brewing about who's going to own this company. Now he just owns it. Like there's no conflict. Like Elon, let me tell you something. I know you listen. And also no users. Great stories are driven by conflict. If you're like, okay, it's a story. It's about a guy who trades stocks in Wall Street. He gets in no trouble. He plays it by the book and he's happily married to Mario Robbie. Like no one would watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you the lamb of walls. Like no one's watching this stuff. You need conflict. And he's out of conflict because all of the conflict is now pointed. He is pointed at himself at Twitter. He is in charge. So no one's looking at his tweets because all he has less. He can't promise to make change anymore. Well, he just has to deliver. The no change. one's looking at his tweets because of the the lack of conflict or no one's looking at his tweets because of the lack of people on Twitter to look at his tweets. 
I think that's like a circle. I, I can't tell yeah. you where that begins or ends. Like, right. It's kind of both. Right. But that's that's how we all feel when you let off a fire tweet and you don't get minimum 15 likes. You do want to call a meeting and have everyone at Twitter ask, <laughs> answer, answer. Why? Why is the world? See, this not is seeing what my I mean tweets? about why quitting being... <laughs> based social media. <laughs> why am I being shadow like... man? Why are my rights being violated? And now Elon can do that. I think that I think there's at least forty four billion dollars worth of value in doing that. <laughs> that's, that's half the per- that's twenty two billion is just being able to call a meeting. I will say this. I was watching the Grammys mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm just like sitting on these bangers. And there had nowhere to go. I just started texting like random friends from the past. <laughs> just, <laughs> do you think the Grammys sound like shit? <laughs> People are like, who are you? Where did you come from? Because <laughs> I had nowhere for them to go. That's what Twitter was for me. And now it's like my brain is healing. That is Twitter, though. Like if you said these things out loud, yeah, to I, I recognize there's not a lot of value in complaining about the sound engineer of the Grammys. By the way, sound engineer of the Grammys should be ashamed of himself. It sounded like shit. It sounded like they had an iPhone sitting in the middle <laughs> of the Staples Center. <laughs> Horrible. You know, we had a story like years ago about why the Grammys sound good and how hard it is. And it's like they like whoever like Elon fired them, too. They fired that guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a new guy. He's like, he what we want is more, we want more room tone from the Staples Center. It's like, just like massive amounts of echo. Anyway, my poor wife. I was like, do you hear all that shimmer on the high end? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, no, that's Harry Again, there's Styles. There's nowhere for this to go. So he's firing the people. He's complaining about his impressions. And then this to me is like the main thing. So he wrote, he'd rolled out these view counts. Mm-hmm. And all the people who worked at Twitter, like there's a reason we never did this. What it's going to show most people is that most people don't look at any tweets. Like most people get no impressions. Right. The illusion of Twitter is the sense that everyone's looking at all your stuff all the time. You add view counts. You're just going to train people that the effort isn't worth it. Elon doesn't believe it. He has this quote. This is going to show how much more vibrant the platform is than people think, how alive it is. He rolls up the view counts. Not only does it lead to a further drop in engagement because most people don't look at your tweets or most tweets don't get looked at by anyone. It kills Elon. Because <laughs> most people aren't looking at his either. Like, his his view of Twitter is completely warped by his like reply bots. Yeah. So he got rid. He's getting rid of the bots. He's adding in metrics. And he's realizing that, like his world is a lie. Soon someone's going to tell him that the cars don't drive themselves. <laughs> it's all going to fall apart. Is this why he, he they did the API stuff where they're charging for it and and why the, we were having all the problems on Wednesday with Twitter? Like, is 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 the attempt to kill the bots part of that? I would I would bet that it probably is related to that. That that's why the stuff got deleted. That someone was making changes to this, that, or the other thing, but not directly, not not intentionally. Yeah, exactly. Right. But even the API stuff. So is the API stuff like? Is his idea really if I charge people for this free tool that helps engagement, I'll make more mon- like, I'm I'll make money? I'm telling you, this is like if when I was in my 20s, uh-huh. if I was like, I'm going to buy the cigarette factory for $44 billion. Yeah. He's addicted to Twitter. <laughs> he thinks everyone else is addicted to Twitter. And he doesn't realize that you cannot be addicted to Twitter. Right. But, but doesn't and everyone so do that? All so that stuff is like, I'm going to charge for Twitter blue. I'm going to like, your replies don't get ranked unless you pay for blue. I'm going to charge for API. It, it all, all of it implicit underneath it all is the idea that you have nowhere else to go. 
everyone has this idea, but we're, we're going to buy this bar. We're going to buy this club. We'll make it. See, we'll fix everything that's wrong with it and we'll make it popular because we'll do the things that we want. And we know yeah. that works every time. You cannot yeah. actually do that. We're going to buy and this if club. You do, Richard. It ends in ruin every time. We've all seen it. We've all considered doing it. Maybe are considering doing it again. I mean, Richard, if you want to go in on a club. I'm just saying we should have done it, man. We should have done it. <laughs> we could we could still do it. Just sell scissor vodka. The only <laughs> only vodka sold there. <laughs> Can I read the scissor vodka? We can run it with AI. You can have AI bots as bartenders. It's perfect. We could we could do it. It could work. I mean, it's easily the best thing that ChatGPT has produced. I'm just going to read this to you. It was a dark and stormy night. Casey Newton, the senior editor of The Verge, was sitting at his... This is Bing. Bing wrote the story. Yeah. He had a deadline to meet, but he had no idea what to write. He'd already covered all the latest techniques and trends, but he felt like he needed to do something more, something different, something exciting. Casey decided to take a break and have a drink. He grabbed the bottle and poured himself a glass of scissor vodka. He took a sip and felt a warm sensation in his throat. He took another sip and felt a tingling sensation in his brain. (laughs) He took another sip and felt a surge of energy and creativity. He felt like he could write anything. He felt like he could do anything. He wrote about scissor vodka, how it was the best vodka in the world, how it could make anyone smarter, faster, stronger, and happier. He wrote and wrote and wrote until he filled several pages with his words. He felt proud and satisfied. I'm telling you, this keeps going. He had written the best story of his career. The best story of his life. He hit the send button and waited for the praise and admiration of his readers and editors. Was there meth in this vodka? Like He waited and waited and waited, but nothing happened. He checked his email and saw no response. He checked his phone and saw no notifications. He checked his Twitter and saw no mentions. He checked his slacks and saw no messages. He wondered if anyone had read his story. He wondered if anyone had cared. He realized how silly and nonsensical it was. He realized how drunk and delusional he was. He felt ashamed and embarrassed. He felt stupid and foolish. He felt like he had made a huge mistake. He tried to delete his story, but it was too late. He tried to apologize, but it was too late. He tried to explain, but it was too late. He had already sent his story to the entire world. He had ruined his reputation and he lost his credibility. He had cut through the night. (laughs) I mean, this is like the dark, like they should shut it down. I don't know how you beat that. You can't. That's, that's, that's it. That's the top. They've already peaked. There's nothing better. We should. I, said, I sent it to Casey last night. He's like, this actually kind of captures the sensation of publishing a story. <laughs> Drunkenly publishing That's the story. worst case scenario. <laughs> He's like, this is like, this is what it's like to publish a story that no one reads. It is. You cut through the night. He'd already vodka. cut through the night. Uh, and that's, uh, I think, also a useful summation of Elon on Twitter. Okay. So that's Elon on Twitter. Pure chaos. I'm going to quote again from Casey and Zoe's story because this is a great quote. If you're a decoder listener, which I'm not allowed to mention uh, on this show, but if you're a decoder listener, you will recognize why I love this particular quote. As the adage goes, you ship your org chart, said one current employee. (laughs) It's chaos here right now, so we're shipping chaos. Very good. Very good. But org charts bring me away from Twitter to Disney. Yeah. Where former and now current CEO Bob Iger wrote in, kicked out his handpicked successor, Bob Chapek. Mm-hmm. Bob and Bob crime. He's laying off 7,000 people. Alex, I'm very curious if you have thoughts on that. But in addition to laying off 7,000 people, what's my man doing? He is restructuring his org chart. He's putting all streaming in one division. ESPN, now its own division. He's just like rebooting Disney. Because Chapek rebooted it first. He was like, I'm going to make it more like tech. And everybody's like, no, we hate this. And so Iger's gotten rid of all those people, a lot of the people that he put in charge. And is now like, I guess, fixing it. Yeah, I mean, he, I, you get the feeling that Chapek is, was a useful villain, mm-hmm. right? He changed a bunch of stuff and now Iger gets to roll back. 
and say, I'm fixing it. And part of the fixing it is firing 7,000 people. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Uh, re- lowering some targets that JPEG had set for streaming. We should talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then this big restructure out of his old restructure. So Iger had a structure. It wasn't this structure. JPEG changed it so that all the divisions rolled up into one guy, Kareem Daniel. Right. Everyone hated this. Like Marvel, Lucasfilm, everybody rolled up into this guy. Everyone hated it. And now Iger gets to say, oh, I'm undoing this thing you hate, but it's yet a third different structure. So he, he gets to get out of his old way of doing things without the pain of being the guy who broke it. Yeah. Very clever. I'm, if, if it were the it's start the of the pandemic, if if let's just say in theory, if it were the start of a global pandemic and you wanted to take a couple of years off of work and not be responsible for managing the global <laughs> pandemic, would you do anything differently than what Bob Iger has done? <laughs> <laughs> I just... <laughs> He just had a little sabbatical, a little and couple of years right sabbatical. Back. Yeah. And I think all of you will recognize that when I begin to look for my handpicked successor at The Verge, <laughs> to watch your backs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I've learned something from all this. You're going to come back uh, and then lay off 7,000 people. <laughs> and get a, give us that Zootopia sequel we've all been, been yeah. eager for. So we should talk about that. He, Iger said, he interviewed on CNBC today, he's following up on all the earnings. But Alex, take us through the actual earnings. Because Disney Plus added some subscribers in the United States and Canada. It dropped a lot of subscribers internationally, especially in India, because it lost some cricket rights. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's it's doing, like, I think across the board, they're seeing that slowdown that we were seeing uh, across all the streaming, right? Like, the dust has settled. People kind of know where they're going to go. And so they only added 200,000 subscribers in the United States. They they added actually what looks nicer. Hulu added 800,000. ESPN Plus added 600,000. Well, that, that may be because they have the bundle packages now. It's like they've pushed so many people to pick up the bundles. So maybe you had Disney Plus before, but now you have all three because it's essentially cheaper. Right. Now. Those that three-year. Right. Right. Everyone's like demo period kind of expired and you're just signing up for the bundle. Yeah, so you either canceled, which is probably why their growth was so close to flat, or you got the bundle, and now you have all three. But they are also seeing, they saw like, they saw, I mean, despite like, kind of that bot, that, that flatlining, and, and in some cases, little dips, they, they still increase revenue by 13%. Like, they're still making money hand over fist in that direct-to-consumer division, which is a lot of that is streaming. Right, but they lost a billion dollars. Yeah, they lost a billion dollars, and they promise, they promise that I believe it's by 2024 is when they promise profitability for that that section. End of 2024. By the end of 20, fiscal 2024, they say, don't worry, Disney Plus is going to be profitable, which means we're probably going to see a big slew of cancellations. They, they have <laughs> so many TV shows, and I don't think they've canceled really any of them, or at least not loudly and publicly. So I think a lot of these shows, like if you really liked She-Hulk, you probably should make sure other people watch it. If you really liked Willow or um, what's another. Oh my God. You got to do like the K-pop stand thing. You got to just like stream the show over and over again. Yeah. Just, well, no, you, that doesn't work. The world. We saw that with Netflix. People were do it, do that on Netflix and it doesn't work because with, with streaming, you can just go and be like, Oh, this one user is the outlier who streamed it 12 times. Everybody else has streamed it zero. Like, it's not like Nielsen. Somehow Spotify where, hasn't figured this out, but. So yeah, Spotify hasn't figured it out, but everybody, but like streaming has definitely figured this out. So I would not be surprised if this year we see just an absolute bloodbath in that, like in that streaming slate and, and a lot of stuff that people are really excited about not getting renewed, 
not seeing a second season. But they have like their Marvel and their Star Wars slates are both planned pretty far in yeah. advance. Like we know what's coming for the next couple of years on those two um, properties. So it's going to be interesting. What's funny is the things that we're hearing from Disney, from Paramount, from uh, HBO, they're all very similar. Like Zaslav is kind of saying these same things. I think Paramount and Showtime actually had this message the clearest is we're going to focus mm-hmm. on the big mainstream hits and the other stuff. Right. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Showtime's like, all right, it's the billions universe. <laughs> and that means we need a show called millions and a show called trillions. This is real. They're making <laughs> a show called, called millions thousands. about young finance pros. Then they're going to keep making billions. And then they're going to make a new show called trillions, presumably about very old finance pros. <laughs> so you kind of get the youngs, you get the middle aged. <laughs> You got got the old, the old money. Right. And then they're going to do a Dexter sequel. Like they're just fully into, all right, we're doing IP franchises all the way around. Yeah. Disney has already been there, obviously with Marvel, Lucasfilm, all this other stuff, but they're now they're starting to expand it. This is the other thing Iger said. So in addition to saying, okay, I'm restructuring out of the previous restructure. So we have Disney entertainment, we have theme parks and we have ESPN. Those are three divisions. Mm Mm-hmm. Not the old, old structure, right? Where you had Marvel, Lucasfilm, whatever. So he like hybridizes the structure a little bit between him and Shapek. And then he's like, all right, we got to lean into our franchises. We're going to make a sequel to Zootopia. We're going to make a sequel to more sequels to Frozen. We're going to do more toy stories. You can say what you want about Zootopia. I mean, that's a movie about a rabbit detective. <laughs> you could probably make a hundred. <laughs> she solves crimes. <laughs> you could do, you could do it all day and all night. Like fine. Police, fine. De- police departments actually watch this to try and reduce police brutality. That's a real <laughs> thing. They should. Um, upsetting. I'm just saying it's a show. It's a buddy cop show. Like you, you can see how you can like Zootopia forever. You know. Yeah. They made four lethal weapons. It, it all makes sense in the end. Toy Story ended. <laughs> It ended like really, it really ended. Like it ended a lot. And then they made Lightyear and nobody watched it. Cause everyone's like, I know I got it. I got the whole four movie arc of toy story, including one false end where you thought they were all going to die. They almost burned alive. How do you keep that going? How on earth do you keep that going? Well, they're toys. The, the, the idea is that the toys always continue. So I guess we'll get the little kid. Maybe we'll get new toys. Maybe we'll just, be the- I, I guarantee you they're going to remake the first toy story. You can't just, keep just it make going. it not look. They should. The, ugly. the CG looks terrible now. They should. They. I would buy that on Blu-ray if they, if they re-render it and make it look better right now. I would. I would buy it. I'm sorry. I'm the problem. It's me. It's <laughs> just like look at that ray tracing. Wow. I was just Toy Story Four is like a great movie. It ended that franchise. Like definitively ended that. Fran- There's no opening to make a Toy Story Five. Where does Frozen go? I haven't watched it. I haven't watched a Pixar movie in a while. They, they they decided to be sad, and I don't want to be sad. Yeah, it's true. Pixar movies are like, what if this movie is about death? <laughs> Have you thought about really diving into death with your toddler? And it's like, no, dude, no. Now Encanto. you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Although Encanto, oddly about death as well. Really, Iger should be like, we're going to make more movies about death. Uh, and that's our strategy. All right, so that is going on with Disney. Lots of change over there. Iger, mastermind. We got to put him on... The scale, the Go90 scale of Doom streaming services. Right. A lot of change. Alex, what do you think? Oh, there's Remember, zero, zero is alive. 90 is dead. Zero. You're 100% zero. zero. For, for Disney Plus, Hulu is still super up in the air. ESPN Plus, you guys can talk about that. That's like a sports thing. 
<laughs> I don't. ESPN Plus is ruined by SEO. It's 24-7 Kyrie Irving flat earth content now. <laughs> and that's why it's a zero. Uh, no, ESPN Plus is great during football season because NFL primetime is on it. And so I actually okay. watch it once a week, at least once a week. But I would put that at a 45. Hulu has been at like between 50 and 70 its entire life, but it's unkillable. Yeah. It's just like you can't end it. And I think I think Disney Plus is at it. Like spiritually, who loses zero? Well, it's like a it's a technical zero. Yeah. Right. By all rights, like rational logic. It's when all the other streaming services are, are gone. Yeah. It's a cockroach. Yeah. Like you can kill a cockroach. It's possible. But you you know you that you can. But it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I but where's would say your Dis- where are you for Disney Plus? Ten. Ten. That's Ten. A, that sounds about right. Like it's it, it's 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 like there's more chaos there than we can see, right? Yeah. So it's not like it's not like a forty five, but it's not a zero. It's not default. It's not like definitely alive forever. It's at ten. It's these movies got to be hits. The you know the next two phases of Marvel can't be the horrible net. Like if Marvel keeps going the way that Phase Four went, it's it's over. Like no, no one cares. Right. The new one's supposed to be really good. Quantum Mania that comes out in a couple of weeks. Okay. Everybody who's seen it says it's like magic. We'll see. <laughs> it's magic. 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 All right. People are really excited. Uh, yeah, whatever. I, they, they just can't do the thing where it's like, here's what you got to do between phases. You got to watch 10 TV shows that add up to nothing. Right. Like we, they did that to us already. I finally watched Wakanda forever yesterday. I, I went to Disney World. I came yeah. back, saw these layoffs, and was like, oh, I hope nobody I, I met and got me on a ride that happened to. The lady who, who gave me a discount on my magic band, don't fire her, Bob. She was great. I don't remember her name. No, she was, that was her like last act of vengeance. Yeah. But, oh yeah, so, so I saw Wakanda forever, and I was super surprised because I didn't need to like pay, like yes. there were no weird cameos. There was no like, oh, look, it's Blorbo from from Blorbo <laughs> 2. Yes, they're here. This I'm is so I'm excited. They can't do this to us again where they're like, in order to understand the next movies, you must have a Disney Plus subscription so you can watch these five shows. Yeah. That will explain some like arcane piece of lore that will be. It's like none of this mattered. In the end, I just did a bunch of homework and WandaVision was entertaining and all the rest of it was fine. But none of it mattered, and I didn't need to pay you for any. None of they, it. They can't I do it. Like that's where they messed up. That's the ten. That that's I'm saying. That's the ten. To, you, you didn't need to watch that stuff, but it felt like you did. So everybody ended up watching TV shows they didn't like, and they needed to be yeah. clear that you know you don't have to watch all those. If you don't like Moon Knight, you don't have to watch it. It's you know, just like a perfect show ever made. recreation of of the comics experience, where you're like, oh, I got to go get all of these different comics before the big thing, and then you're like, no, I don't actually. The art sucks and it's stupid. Yeah, I'm just gonna like rate for the trade paperback. Well, you got to get Wakanda forever. an NVIDIA shield and a DM to Alex Grant's flex server. <laughs> it's sick in there. Got some good no, content. No, it's all Linux. It's all Linux distributions. It's <laughs> wonderful. Ancient, ancient expired copyright public domain. Yeah, it's it's all it's all very. It's all it's, it's all th- 1930s news. Ethically reels. sourced content. <laughs> it's all been in the public domain. Yeah. Totally. Mickey's coming. He's going to be in there soon. Uh, I, Alex's Plex server has been at a zero in the Go90 scale of Doom streaming yeah. services for a long time. Since 2008. Uh, what news we talk about in this section? Nintendo. There was a big Nintendo Direct. What's going on there? They announced the release date for Zelda. This is the longest they've gone between Zelda games. 
And I know that I'm old because it doesn't feel that long. It doesn't feel that long. But I guess if I was like 13, I'd be like, oh, thank God. I was seven when that last one came out. So they they, they showed off Zelda. Link is going to drive a car. It's going to be really exciting. They also announced the price in this weird yeah. thing where you can pre-order it, but you need a voucher. But why do you need to pre-order a digital game? So it the, it's $70, but then you can get you can buy a voucher for $50. Yeah, and a sec and another game. So basically, you can buy two games for a hundred dollars, or you could buy just Zelda for seventy dollars. Okay. Okay, that seems very confusing, but I'm gonna do it because I love these games. I need to go play Breath of the Wild again. It's been a long time. Since we I just talked it. about this. You don't have to do the homework, man. Don't do the homework. <laughs> but that's like entertaining go. homework. Although I, I doubt there's any particular connection between these two games. If it were that entertaining, it would be on a Sega system. <laughs> I'm not wow. biased. It'd Shots be on the Dreamcast. Commentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they, they announced that Metroid Prime, which was absolutely fantastic on the GameCube, is finally, it's getting its remaster. It looks really nice and shiny. Having recently played Metroid Prime, I'm going to go against Sean, who says, oh yeah, you can play it on the Switch. Or, oh yeah, you can play it on the Steam Deck and it's wonderful. It's not. It's really kind of hard yeah, those controllers aren't made like the controllers are just totally different. So this is going to be made for the switch. It should be very smooth for people who are like old and nostalgic. They'll be like, oh, it's nice, but it doesn't look like butts. And for new people they'll be like, oh, this is just a fun game. Is there any game that Sean doesn't think is the most playable and the most fun on the Steam Deck? No, we're going to find <laughs> one. That's find that's one. my mission. If you have one, send like hit me up, hit me up on 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 Twitter. I'm the last person there. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> She's hit the API limits with Steam Deck commentary. And they also, I, one, one last thing, they also are starting to roll out Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games on the Switch, which has been like a long time coming. Yeah. Can you buy a translucent Switch now? Because if you can't, then you can't really get the Game no. Boy experience, the, the 90s yeah. way, with a see-through portable system. Yeah. That's, yeah. That was I remember so good. everything was see through. I hope the next like the next wave is bringing that back. Like the nineties and two thousands are, are back in like a small way. Like you're doing the glass backs on the phones anyway. Just take that yeah. paint off. Let me see the insides. Just let me some transition. Show me the battery. All right, we gotta take a break. Speaking of new phones, we're gonna come back. We'll talk about the OnePlus eleven. Kind of a little bit of a lightning round coming. That's all coming up next. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Businesses of all sizes count on IT heroes to save the day every day. And because there's no telling what the day will bring, you need a built for business PC solution that gives you security, performance, manageability, and stability no matter what stage you're in. Intel vPro is here to help. Intel vPro provides business class performance and reliability on powerful PCs that boost user productivity and satisfaction. And it offers multi-layer hardware-based security for below the OS protection, better application and data security, and advanced threat detection to help prevent issues before they happen. 
Whether the team is in office or working from home, security is the name of the game. The Intel V Pro lets you remotely update, restore, and secure your business's PCs, even if they're outside the firewall. Plus, the integrated and validated platform helps ensure smooth PC fleet management and means you can maintain and scale PCs with confidence, helping you save the day, every day. Intel V Pro, built for what IT heroes do, built for business. No product can be absolutely secure. Learn more at intel.com slash IT heroes. All right, we're back. Richard, I'm calling on you. One plus 11. I was at Disney World. What happened? It happened. It, it, yeah, Alice was at Disney World. She's, she's hunting for Igers. The One Plus 11 5G, which is the most important phone to me in my life, <laughs> ever. I don't care about anything as much as I do the One Plus 11 5G, uh, to be specific, which is a $699 flagship phone. As One Plus has moved from their mid-range to kind of flagship. They're trying to get the magic back. We remember a few years ago when One Plus was really cool. They, they gave you yeah. high-end specs, mid-range prices, but now they just make phones. Everybody makes phones. They, they're like Motorola's with different labels, maybe a few more software updates. The, the founder is off doing nothing. Yeah. Literal, literally. I hate that nothing. so I much. I hate that name. <laughs> Brutal. That pun just hurt my brain. That was great. Sorry, Richard. But they, they, it's the Allison reviewed the OnePlus 11 5G. They announced a bunch of new devices. They have a tablet now. They got uh, earbuds, of course. And it seems to be a pretty good phone. They have a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have a, a, a mechanical keyboard, maybe a little inconsistent camera, but it, it's it seems pretty good in terms of like price and performance wise and maybe a reason for you to look at OnePlus again if you, if you haven't been. Because, you know, obviously you've got the Pixel options now. You've got so many other really good phones at that mid-range price point. But it's maybe good enough for you to spend a little bit more for this particular phone. Well, I'll just leave you with Allison's pull quote from the review. For everyone who isn't a OnePlus devotee, I hesitate to recommend the OnePlus 11. <laughs> I don't, it, OnePlus, had, it was, for a minute, it was the Challenger brand. And then Oppo kind of swarm in, took it back made it just more oppo phones for the united states carl left to do nothing and now it's like fine yeah they, they, they make like, okay devices but is there any meaningful challenge to samsung in the market because this is like the thing right it's like you think the battle is apple versus android but the battle is really apple versus samsung and google's like trapped in the middle and then on top of it that we talked about at the top of the show google has like an existential crisis in search like i don't know man like i this is like a weird spot for the Android ecosystem. Like either Samsung's pushing it forward or Google's going to uh, take meaningful share and push it forward. But Google's pretty distracted by saving its core business. You end up in, in a strange place because you have this phone that has a camera that's not as good as Samsung or Google's because they can't do all the weird technology stuff. They can't build better hardware than Samsung. They can't do better software than Google. And so you're paying a lot for a, a markedly worse experience in at least a couple of ways. Right, because yeah. you have to, like, they're competing with all of the resources of Apple and all of the resources of Samsung. And those are a lot of resources that most other companies don't have. Or they're Sony and they're too busy making really good party speakers and not reaching out to Eli about those speakers. Yeah. So, like, it's truly, I think it's a difficult place. And OnePlus is, is struggling. But it's interesting that they released, like, the OnePlus Pad, this, this new tablet. And the keyboard, I want to come back to the keyboard because I have a lot of questions. It's just a rebranded Keychron, but they're doing their own switches. Ooh, and then they're saying that's it's not gonna... the part of the keyboard that you want to do your own of, right? Right. Like probably... Even Logitech sells 
like cherry switches in some of its keyboards. No, Logitech does their own switches too now. They're no, but, they, them- but some of their keyboards have other switches in them. Yeah, they, they, they do they do a whole gamut. So it's kind of interesting. I'll be surprised though if it's not just a rebranded knockoff of a cherry. There's a lot of different people that are doing very similar switches. So it's not really hard to be like, we're gonna do it in a slightly different color, slightly different change in the spring. Boom. New switch. Yeah. From OnePlus. <laughs> it's got like a little crystal dial on it. But I think I mean, the thing I'm that really kind of upset me about it is that they're using a different they claim that they're using a different material for the keycaps themselves and they won't go into a lot of the details besides saying it's called marble mellow marble marble mallow marble mallow like marshmallow but marble mallow oh yeah yeah. there's just it's a new material i gotta say this keyboard i'm i'm just looking at this keyboard it looks like the keyboard that you would be issued if you worked in a bank and i don't understand it yeah, it looks, I mean, Keychron makes really, really lovely keyboards. Most people like one like this. It's a 75% where it's got a full, uh, it's got a full direction pad. It's got a bunch of extra little bits, but it doesn't have a full number pad. So a lot of people like this size, but I think most people have started to think of these big fancy keyboards of having really flashy colors. And this is like, no, we're going to go with the the Oppo way. It's going to be yeah. gray and red and yes, fine. Have you heard of IBM in the 70s? Um, Some people love problems. that look. Some people do. I, I didn't grow up wanting to be an accountant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. The, by the way, the, the, the OnePlus pad, it's fascinating that people think they can make Android tablets happen again. Like Google is pushing at it. There were some leaks of the Nest tablet thing today. OnePlus is at it. They got that big camera on the back. I, I We'll see. I will see. I just the idea that we're we're in for another round of Android tablet hysterics is very funny to me. We, we've been down this road. I feel like that's the last time that we had. You, you know, you mentioned how the companies were getting kind of, of, of spicy with each other, like about AI. That was the last time we had companies really, really talking about each other was when there seemed like there might be a challenge to the iPad. And then they all got smacked down. And they, they didn't do that anymore. Well, keep in mind, Steve Jobs was still around back then. So he would get on the earnings call and be like, seven inch tablets, they're for fucking idiots. <laughs> I guess I guess that's the way I guess we're all printing that. Like, here we go. Is right the headline? Um, they don't they stop talking about one another for ages, right? They're all frenemies or all co-opters or whatever that word is, right? Like, and now with hope we'll see with search, you know. Uh, Microsoft is ready to be a little spiky over there, but in tablets, do you think? Like Apple doesn't care. It like barely cares about the iPad. It's like, here's another one. I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you want? They all look the same. Well, like, is the OnePlus, OnePlus pad going to scare Apple into caring? Is the Nest no. thing going to scare Apple into caring? I don't is know. the OnePlus pad going to sell? Like, who who is the customer there? Besides, I guess, OnePlus diehard. People with children. It's always people with children. Like, can this thing run Disney Plus? Is like, honestly, at this point, Iger should just make a tablet. And sell it to people, kids. Like that's that's the market for these things. And apparently, pilots pilots love them, uh, but they all buy iPad minis. Uh, okay, a little bit of a lightning round. Uh, this is a weird one. So uh, Meta went to go buy Within, which makes Supernatural. We've talked about a bunch of the show before. It's FTC LenaCon says no, you got to block it. This is just like when you bought Instagram. You're buying up all the VR game studios. Supernatural is the app that makes uh, not gamers buy the Meta Quest Two. Right? It's like the stats are astounding. It's like. Mm-hmm. This is what older people and what women buy. They, they work out in VR. And it's great. I use it. We talked about it a lot. 
FTC says, no, you can't buy up all the studios. They go to court. They lose. They say they're going to appeal. The court blocks their injunction. Deal closes anyway. <laughs> so now <laughs> Meta owns within. They change the website to say it's all a Meta company now. But the FTC is still appealing. I'm not sure what happens if they win that appeal. They just like get kicked out. Like they're like, well, I guess we don't own you. So we'll see. But that happened. But they have to sell it, right? Or spin it back out. I don't know. I, yeah. The, the fact that the FTC like lost and they're going to appeal, it's it, all very confusing. Um, but anyway, Meta is just continuing to buy all the VR companies. We'll see what that portends for Apple in the future. Richard, I added this one just for you. The ads for Super Bowl, Fox is all sold out. Zero crypto ads on this year's Super Bowl. Aw. After Richard. it seemed like there was a crypto ad every five minutes last year during the Super Bowl. After we had Coinbase literally giving away money and they crashed their servers because too many people scanned the QR code and tried to sign up for accounts to get free crypto. Seems like everybody's out of cash now. Or in jail or going to jail. Um, or perhaps <laughs> indicted and has their former executives now testifying against them, uh, as, as you see with, with FTX. But yeah, uh, Crypto.com and Coinbase continue to exist, uh, apparently, but they just don't have money like they used to. They, they're not spent. Uh, they, I think the executive that talked to Sports Business Journal from Fox Sports said that some of these companies had reserved ads, but the FTX obviously cannot. <laughs> um, and the others <laughs> backed out because, it, you know, Bitcoin just isn't worth what it was, what it used to be. Yeah. You hate to see it. And then lastly, big leak from Chris Welch. The man continues to just crawl around the air vents at Sonos. He's in there right now, actually. The next speakers are coming. Spatial audio. They're going to be called the Era 300 and the Era 100. Patrick Spence has said they're going to reset the bar in existing audio categories. He's got the scoop on a second generation Sonos move. The Era 300, Era 100. They had the codename Optimo before. Mm Mm-hmm. Era 300 designed for spatial audio. And I know Sonos is going to be like, it's not a gimmick. I, I can't wait to hear this thing. See, see if it's not a gimmick. Brand new designs. He, we found documentation of, of uh, speaker stands from Sanus for these things. They cost $220. Just a speaker? Crazy. Uh, but Sonos is like coming out the gate strong this year. They're going to have four new categories. They've got these big new speakers focused on spatial. We need to figure out codec support, whether Apple Music will support them. All There's all these questions to be answered, sure. But they just had earnings, and Patrick Spence, friend of the show, CEO, is like, no one's even competing with us. There was no competition in smart speakers over the holidays. And we looked, and it's true. There wasn't any. Like, no one released new speaker products. No Google, no Amazon, no nothing. New HomePod is out. He's like, yeah, whatever. Kind of wild. Yeah, I think they see a hole in the market that's been left by these tech companies that got in and were like, yeah, we're going to build better speakers and we're going to use algorithms and we're going to we're going to beat whoever is is in speakers because we don't know and don't care. And now they're yeah. kind of retreating because it's a little bit harder than they than they thought. They suddenly they their costs went way up and they, they need to cut up back on these divisions and they're not building frivolous products anymore. And Sonos says, yeah, so you want a new smart speaker. Welcome back to Sonos. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> you got one more room in your house. What you going to do? I think it's exciting. That event is on February 23rd, I think. We'll see. I, I think Sonus is leaning pretty heavily into Spatial. It's leaning pretty heavily into Atmos. Kind of like lots of opportunity for them to kind of redefine this stuff. At the same time, you know how I feel. Everybody knows how I feel. I think Atmos for Music is just like foolish. So we'll see. Maybe they're going to show me. Are these going to be definitely music speakers? Or are they supposed to be like your extra speakers for your home theater? Or both. Did you just, they're not extra. They're a key component of the home theater. <laughs> Alex. I'm sorry. They're not extra. The surround. You know, the, the, the rear speakers. That's what Look, I think I've of the I've been reading speakers. Sound and Vision in PDF form on my phone. All right. I'm like back in the mix. You're this in is it. very important You're, to me. When are you, when's you, when are you getting your new receiver? 
I'm actually very hopeful that this is one of Sonos's new categories. It absolutely will not be because it's the smallest of they the available work. audio categories. But if Sonos makes an actual receiver that integrates with the thing, that does Atmos properly, it does all the stuff, I'll be first in line to buy it. It would be like $12 billion with that Sonos markup. Oh my And God. that's why I have to lay off 7,000 people. <laughs> Where do you think those extra, extra margin comes from? I, I gave myself an executive <laughs> raise. I fire the people who sell the fast passes. We're off to the races. I'm learning from the best. You and Bob, man. With your I'm changing speakers. my name to Bob. Bob Patel. I love this. It's good. Uh, <laughs> That's horrible. I'm not doing any of that. If Sonos makes a reasonably priced receiver that integrates well with the rest of the stuff, I will buy it. Thank you, Bob. But they've got all these categories. And I, I think, Richard, you're right. Like, fundamentally, they see that when push comes to shove, Amazon does not care about the audio business. It's just lock-in for Amazon services. Apple, who knows what they're doing in audio, right? Like HomePods. They keep, they're doing HomePods. They're doing AirPods. All of that stuff. I think they care about the music industry. Apple always, always care about the music industry. This is much is very true. But they don't have enough products that are good. Yeah. Especially in the living room, right? Their solution is a couple of HomePods. So if you if you want to do it, you got to go all the way. And I think Sonos is just ready and waiting to say, look, if you want to watch movies, you need Atmos. Buy the soundbar. Buy these extra speakers. I love those extra speakers. <laughs> so mad. So mad. <laughs> You're going to get, until you go and you buy five of these and attach them with your $4,000 Sonos subwoofer. It's only 600 but it's still so expensive. It's still very expensive. I own one. I don't know why I'm complaining. You own one? Yeah. It's great. Do you have it any is, other Sonos speakers or you just have the sub? Just the, just the sub. I didn't actually listen to any of Wakanda Forever. It was just the bass. Just the rumbles. <laughs> I'm asking Bing what the Sonos Era 100 is. Tell us, Bing. Let's see. It's so it's slow when it has to search the web. Oh, snap. Boy, oh, boy, does this not cite our exclusive scoops enough. <laughs> uh, the Sonos Era 100, a new high-end speaker from Sonos, expected to launch in the coming months. Designed to showcase spatial music and uh, the Atmos content and compete with the Apple HomePod. Huh. Where'd you get that information? Huh. Bing. Bing.com. It just sourced itself. It's its first site is to Bing.com. Sure, Bing. And Interesting then, yeah. source you've got there. All right, we got to wrap this up. I'm going to ask Bing to wrap up the show. Can you write a conclusion to the Vergecast? I'm sorry, I can't write a conclusion to the Vergecast. <laughs> that is a podcast produced by the Verge, and I don't have access to their transcripts or audio files. <laughs> I can only write summaries or conclusions based on the information I have from web searches or my own knowledge. Yet somehow it wrote the scissor vodka story. Somehow. Bing contains right. multitudes. Bing is, I'm telling you, this is like the moodiest. Here's what I. I know it's, it's ready to have like a snack. Please. A little juice pack. It's ready for a nap. So I was told by a Bing engineer that if you ask nicely, if it can't do it, sometimes it will do it anyway. So I wrote, can you please write a conclusion to the Richcast? I'm sorry. I already told you I can't write a conclusion to <laughs> the Richcast. Right. Please don't ask me to do something I can't do. <laughs> Are you well, sure? That is just spicy. spicy. We're over time. I've got to go think about my relationship to this robot. I think you all have to go think about your relationships to the robot. You probably have to download Bing because Microsoft gotcha. Bing rocketing to the top of the App Store charts, by the way. Because everybody That's wants how it. That's they're getting, yeah. So everyone wants to talk to the robot. Thanks to James Vincent for coming on the show. That was a great conversation. Uh, you should listen to Decoder. Sasha Nadell was on 
Decoder this week talking about Bing. We also had John Koblin and Felix Gillette talking about their new book, It's Not TV, which is the HBO story. I mean, if you're into Australian conversations, that was a good one. You can call the Vergecast hotline. That's 866-VERGE-11. You can tweet at us, maybe. <laughs> Who knows <laughs> what will happen? Uh, I'm at Reckless. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. Richard is RJCC. And James is at JJ Vincent. You can also just leave a comment when this post goes up on the site and we will reply to you because honestly, we own our site and it stays up. It works. The system works. The web for as long as we can have it. That's it. That's the chest. Rock and roll. And that's a wrap for Vergecast this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, subscribe in the podcast app of your choice or tell a friend. You can send us feedback at vergecast at theverge.com. This show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. This episode was edited and mixed by Amanda Rose Smith. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. The Verge Cast is a production of The Verge and Vox Media Podcast Network. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Thank you to Kohler for supporting this episode. Who says smart things can't also be beautiful things? The Numi 2.0 is Kohler's most advanced toilet ever. Equipped with fully customizable bidet, heated seats, automatic cleaning cycles, and on-demand smart home functions thanks to its built-in Alexa. The Numi 2.0 is a fully connected oasis of clean and comfort with unmatched sculptural design. Customize the lights to match your interior or your mood and enjoy an immersive, intuitive experience of personalized luxury and cleanliness. More than a toilet, it's a work of art. Learn more at Kohler.com. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.